everybody, and welcome back. It's Dr. Nicole Bonner, and this is Taproot Conversations. We're going to have a good one today. This is Dr. John D'Ambrosio, and we are here with a great guest. Really looking forward to today's podcast. We have Dr. Lisa Geiger. Lisa, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a chiropractor in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, just about a quarter mile from the marathon that ran yesterday, and I've been practicing for 26 years. Um, I've practiced in three different continents, and I still am excited to get up and go to work. It's extraordinary. Wow, three different continents. You want to jump into that? So I graduated, and I went to Dundee in Scotland. Um, I was supposed to practice in England, but I got transferred up there. I practiced for about four months in a haunted clinic Ooh. and had the time of my life. Took about four months to realize what a jerk I was working for, and I skedaddled out of there. Hmm. What? Tell us about the haunted clinic. I know this oh, is totally clinic. off topic, but yeah, um, I arrived in Dundee like at ten o'clock the night before I was supposed to start in a new clinic. So they left me there to go through the records and see if I could read the handwriting of the people that had been there before. The woman before me had walked out, not because of the ghost, but because of the doctor. And um, and so I'm reading these things, trying to make sure I understand European annotations. And the, I start hearing footsteps going up and down. And I'm like, cool, the upstairs people are home. <laughs> it took me about a minute to realize there were no upstairs people. It's a freestanding one-story building. So that's interesting. <laughs> and then the door right next to me, about two feet to my side, starts going, ee, ee, ee. And my hair went, yeah. <laughs> I went running out of there. I wasn't going to walk, it's about midnight at this point, and I wasn't going to walk a mile in the dark to my air, to my B&B, so uh, I took a cab, and the fellow took one look at me and says, so lassie, looks like you've met the ghost. Wow. And, uh, I guess it was known in that area at that point. So wow. the, the building that we had was one of the outbuildings from the DRI, <laughs> the Dundee Royal Infirmary, um, and I guess it had been a place, which was the hospital there, and I guess it had been a place where they did experiments on mental patients, and we had a very mischievous but kind ghost, could have been worse, um, wow. and in order to get out of the clinic, you had to close all five doors downstairs, go up the stairs, punch in the code, and if any of the doors weren't closed, of course, it would go bleep, 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 and every damn time. Um, the, I go back down and the doors at the end of the hallway would be going wow and we'd say okay we love you we'll see you <laughs> tomorrow and uh just gonna try that that works and uh and we it it was it was never malevolent it was never nasty it was really less persistent than this phone was um <laughs> So I felt kind of bad when we left, but it, it, all in all, a decent. I, and I got to thinking, if you were going to haunt someplace, you could do worse than a chiropractic clinic, particularly a chiropractic clinic in Scotland, because yeah. the gossip was delightful and the people <laughs> were enchanting and and the vibe was always pretty darn good when I was there. So, you know, you could do worse than haunting a chiropractic clinic. Definitely. Yeah. So you had mentioned, you know, you left after you realized this the person you're working for was a jerk. So we, a lot of uh, students or young docs going out are looking for associateships. What things were like warning signs for you so they know what to kind of keep an eye out for? Well, that's a really, really good question. I, I think a lot of it is common sense, but you're so either eager to be accepted or excited about the possibility 
that you're not exactly in the front of your brain. You're working in the back of your brain, riding that limbic <laughs> up, right? Yeah. And so you want to make sure your personalities are good. You want to make sure your adjusting styles are compatible. You want to make sure, and I'm sorry that I have to say this, but the ethically everybody's kind of on the same plateau, mm -hmm. that the finances are spelled out very clearly and very mm -hmm. in writing. Mm -hmm. um, you stick with those and you're going to be in good shape. Okay. Yeah. And where did you veer off the path with your experience? Uh, I, I don't know how far reaching this podcast is, so I don't want to okay. bad anybody. <laughs> but I could say that it would have been much better to get more in writing on both sides than we had. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And that seems, I just like to keep my side of the road clean. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And from there, I, I moved over to Sweden and I was there for about eight years. So, what brought you there? Uh, when I was in Scotland, I met my pen pal of 10 years and we fell for each other and we had a fling and then I moved over there because it's easier for me to move there from than for him to move to the U.S. And we gave it a good shot and we got married. We had a kid and we got divorced and uh, I would have stayed there. Um, but my son, it turned out, had autism and there were very few resources available in such a small country for what for the profile that my son had. Mm -hmm. And so we came back here in 2004 when he was about three and a half. Wait, so. this is very exciting. <laughs> life is so full of surprises. Just Lisa, you've lived a great life. I have. I, I am so freaking blessed. Um, okay, wait. Can we go back, though, a minute? Go where you want. Okay. So the time is yours. When you went to, to Life West, right? I started at Life East. Okay. And after two years, I switched over to Life West. I, I was not designed to live in the South. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was going to be my next question is why did you switch? Is there any advice for students? Trust your gut. Trust your instinct. You know, some people just put their head at, down and plow through not enjoying the part of the country they're living in. I, I'm not overly designed to live in the South, though it's a lovely, lovely part of the country and I probably could live there quite happily now but I was a young tie-dye wearing hippie it was not a good match um, and then when we went to take our boards everybody was going out and adjusting each other in the parking lot even though we shouldn't really but you know it happens and the life westers they could all move the bone they could all move the bone it was exquisite and I'm like well that's what I need so I was ready to go out the door anyway I just needed a good excuse and then that was it that and I tried for two years to get a recycling program on Life East campus. Mm -hmm. And I, I went and took the tour at Life West and they're like, and this is our recycling program. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all so, be joyful, you know, be happy where you're in school. It's hard work, but it's mm -hmm. also extraordinary. There are things I wish I'd done now that I look back, like I wish I'd looked into joining the fraternity or something like that for the women. It would have been amazing to have that fellowship. So yeah, it sounds like what you're saying is for students or even prospective students that might be watching this podcast to pick a school that resonates with your core values. <clears throat> mm, absolutely. <clears throat> yes. So, and then if there's more than one, pick the one in the area of the country that you enjoy the most. Right. Yeah. So, my other question before I forget is uh -huh. what made you decide to become a chiropractor? Ooh. I was, well, there's a couple of good stories here, but I'll keep them short. When I was like five, I decided I wanted to be a chiropractor. I was in a chiropractic office with my mom. 
um, wandering around looking at things and I'm like, this, this I could do. Strange thought for a five-year-old, right? And it took all of like 24 hours, strange insight for a five-year-old to realize that if I did, I'd probably have to adjust my mom every day of my life, which I was not ready for <laughs> at five. Um, so banished that thought. I went on, I became an applied mathematician. It was fun. It's easy for me. It was like dancing. Um, and then my chiropractor, Dr. Tim Knight of Arlington, Massachusetts, amazing fellow, started saying, you know, you should be a chiropractor. And I'd laugh, and he'd laugh, and then he'd say it again and again and again. And then one day he was like, Cooper, get off the pot. And he took me to the very first pediatric conference in Boston. Larry Webster was there. Amazing cast of characters. Henri Gebley was there. And by the end of the weekend, I'm like, I'm in. Five more years of school, including prereqs, I'm in. Why not? You know, I'm going to be five years older that year anyway. The question is, do I want to be a chiropractor? And it was a resounding yes with that question. So never look I back. love that statement because I hear that, like, sometimes people be like, oh, I'm, you know, too old to go to chiropractic school. And I'm like, how old are you? And they'll be like, 27. Oh, oh my yeah. 27. <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to be 32 anyway, or 31. Right. What do you want to be? What do you want to be? Now, the oldest fellow in my class, um, his son, he was 64, and his son taught at Life East then, right? So from what I understand, uh, he, had, he took a class from his son. His son gave him away at a second wedding. His son spoke at his graduation, and then they opened a clinic called Raven and Father, which I thought was just wow. fabulous. So... So I want to touch a little bit about on your journey, because it seems like you're, as a second career, you know, you start out, you said you were a tie-dye wearing hippie down in the South, but then you were also mathematician, which is totally opposite brain. And then you're in chiropractic. Are you able to combine those two sides of the brain to uh, really make your practice unique to you? Or do you kind of gravitate more towards one side or the other? Well, I used to be all the tie-dye side, right? When I was 20, I had a car accident where I fractured my L5. That's how I ended up in Dr. Tim's office, you know, but having to lie around for a while, I was no longer able to rely on my hippie dancing, tie day loving, work in a food bank and lift boxes kind of life. So I had to use my brain to support myself and, and I shoehorned it in and found it was pretty worthy. <laughs> so when people come to my office, I really keep in mind that they have two sides of their brain and three learning styles to speak to as I'm communicating. And when I teach for the ICPA, what they have me doing is, is just giving great examples of how to talk to your patients in a way that meets them where they are. Hell, it's all about meeting them where they are, right? Mm -hmm. That's you know, that's something that, yeah, if you could expand upon that, just the different ways that speak to people to be able to kind of connect with them when they walk in. I think that's something docs and students would really appreciate. Well, um, A, take my course, but also B, um, <laughs> it's actually a fun course. Uh, listen to their words. They're going to give in their history of what they've experienced in their body, their learning style. It feels this way. Well, I look at it this way. Well, it sounds like this. You got their auditory style there or their visual or their kinesthetic style. So if you start adapting your words on the fly to that, that's, that's going to be enormously helpful from the start. Um, and it really depends where you are in your chiropractic journey and how you perceive your role as a chiropractor. 
but start trying to see it through the eyes of different learners. And I think this is where having my son who had a, a, just a truckload of learning challenges um, has really brought a lot of strength to my trip, which is my journey, which is understanding that if you explain things in all three learning styles, folks are more likely to get it. And if you add in a sense of humor or a higher level of affect, you bring them to you. I mean, the thing to remember brain-wise is anybody who shows up in our office for anything except wellness care, and how often does that happen right off the bat, yeah, um, is working with the back of their brain. They're not thinking majorly. They're not even thinking minorly. They are in their limbic system. They are in reaction. They are often in fight or flight, and they have been for quite a while to come to our door. Mm -hmm. is sometimes the situation. So meeting them where they are, not a lot of big crazy words and concepts, just the basics. It's really something to keep in mind, these three parts and then these two parts of the brain themselves. You know, and it sounds like a lot to keep in your brain, but if, if you just work it through with a couple of people in each mm -hmm. learning style and you get it to be second nature, it really does jump in rather easily. That's so true. And I had similar experience. I worked for a number of years with college students with learning disabilities at a university. Yeah. So it was, I taught the sciences and it ended up being many more things because they just kind of really resonated with me and they were always in my office, but they had different learning styles and you had to learn their learning style. So what they were taught in class could be translated into that specific visual, kinesthetic, auditory, so they could really then absorb it because if it wasn't, they were lost. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you don't have to be professional caliber to pull this off. Right. Either. Don't be intimidated. I have 20 year old. I've been doing this for 17 of those years. Mm -hmm. You were professional in that way. But um, it just start with one thing. If they say, I feel this way, say, I feel where you are. I hear how you are. I see that this is bothering you. And they will unconsciously felt met step for step. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. That connection can make all the difference. It really, really, really can. It's a game changer. So, so Lisa, sorry, uh, John, I didn't. No, no, uh, ladies first. <laughs> Lisa, what kind of course do you have? Like, tell us about your course. My course is about communicating with moms and dads and about their babies as they bring them into the clinic. How to meet cool. these exhausted, I mean exhausted, kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for shocked uh child shock thank you um mm -hmm. delighted terrified people with these new little mushy people where they are <laughs> in a way that says oh can you hand that child over to me i know people think of arnold schwarzenegger when they think of our profession but i'd love to adjust your baby you know how to meet them where they are give them words they can listen to not overwhelm them give them some great uh uh, examples of, of ways to understand things. Um, like you can, you can explain what's going on with the uterus with regard to Webster technique, or you can show them. So your uterus is a big, old, hotter balloon, and it's going to stay up no matter what. Don't worry. But it's got these four ropes tethering it to your pelvis. Okay, now tighten one of the ropes, and they're like, um, what happens? And they're like, prickles like this? <laughs> you know, just meeting them and drawing them into that. That's what it's about. It's, it's, so much about verbiage, but also like I've great, got a great four or five minute vaccine talk that I have with the parents if they ask about it, how to give information without pushing or pulling or bullying or tsunamiing. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Know, 
communication stuff and stuff again that I've really drawn from my experiences with my baby and with my 25 years in practice and with the different countries and how they perceive things. So I guess I'm lucky. So That's awesome. That is. And now building on that. So 25 years of practice, yeah. all these continents. And you said when you started out, you're a sports chiropractor and yeah. now you're pediatric. So tell me about the evolution. And when you graduated, what kind of practice did you want to have? What did you envision going through school? And how did you transition from the day you walked out the door to sitting in this chair right now? Wow. Okay. Um, in school, one of my favorite mentors was a guy named Dr. Paul Walton at LifeWest. And he was the guru of explaining in a way that really made sense to me, extremities and sports. And I'm like, well, okay, resonates. So I may as well do that. That's how I ended up in math. Um, and so I'm now practicing in Sweden and I'm working with really big weightlifters there. So there's a couple of things that happen. One, five 300 pound weightlifters in a row. And I was like, pediatrics, that's for me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I swear I had this guy who was over 450 pounds um, oh, from the Scottish dude. games when I was in Scotland. I learned a lot about knee chest at that point, let me tell you. Yeah. But um, so I'm in Sweden and one of our neighbors has a little child who's on the spectrum and she can't get him to sleep. And I'm like, well, let me see what I could do. And I could only work on him when he was sleeping. They would drive him until he fell asleep and then slow down the car and I jump in the back of the Volvo and work over in the car seat. I would never do this now. Um, but that's what got to him. And son of a gun, if he didn't really start responding, he stopped banging his head on the ground. He started um, making some eye contact. Some of his verbiage came online. It was extraordinary to see how impactful that was. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see. Uh, in Sweden at that point, you were not supposed to work so much with kids. It was frowned on by the medical board, but you could do it if you were under the radar and not be breaking laws, just frowns a lot, right? Um, that being said, uh, the work with him was good. His doctors at the hospital saw the improvement and before you know it, they're sending me kids in a system that I'm not supposed to be addressing kids. Mm -hmm. and. Right around then, this amazing woman named Dr. Joyce Miller came and, uh, hi Amy, uh, Dr. Joyce Miller came and lectured in Sweden at a get together, which is really interesting for a country that wasn't doing that. And she said, we got this great program starting over at the AECC, the Anglo-European Chiropractic College. And uh, would you get anybody want to come over and take the courses? So uh, a handful of us started coming over and making the journey every month to a weekend over in England. Um, and a lot of it was Dr. Carol Phillips coming and presenting, but the other people they brought in were amazing names in the chiropractic community. It was uh, Sally Goddard and Peter goddard White did some of the earliest work with um, primitive reflexes. And Europe was all over this primitive reflex stuff about 20 years before anybody else was. And we were there learning it from the masters. Uh, there was a woman named Svetlana Mazgatova, who's this crazy Russian woman uh, who has her institute in Poland, who was giving lectures in Swedish at a friend's health place. And she was all about primitive reflexes. So I started taking the courses with her. Um, I just was lucky enough to stumble through all of these amazing people who were who were riding the the wave of pediatrics as it was coming into Sweden 
as primitive reflexes were coming into Europe. Um, and always there was the constant presence of Carol Phillips, who became one of my mentors and is somebody that I hold the highest respect for. Um, if anybody can find any classes that she has, she is so, she's in Minnesota. She is extraordinary to learn from. Um, and I treasure everything I learned from her. So that's, that's really how I ended up on the pediatric slide. And then when it came time to bring Jacob back to the US, um, it just developed from there because I could jump into the ICPA courses. And mm -hmm. um, there was one little boy, my hairdresser's little boy, um, that had, she, he was the sixth kid. He was born in like one sneeze, mm -hmm. right? And he was <laughs> two and a half years old and his whole life was being arched back and looking to the left. And so I would travel out to where her house was and do everything that I had learned in England. And he stopped arching and he started looking around and he started interacting. And there was definitely some, um, some challenges with the brain that were always going to be there. But hey, he wasn't looking back into the left now. He had the whole right side to discover. Mm -hmm. um, who wouldn't fall for that? I mean, yeah. I, was, I was in. That's... That's a great journey. It's been a neat journey. Very serendipitous, what can I say? And do you see yourself evolving further? Or are you pretty happy where you are now? I mean, we're always evolving on some level, but do you see the way you practice changing? Yes. Okay. Always, constantly, never stop learning. And I've been lucky enough to really get hooked on Dr. Martin Rosen's classes. Mm -hmm. um, he does SOT and he does so much cranial stuff. And mm -hmm. they've recently, through, um, through this whole pandemic, they've shifted some of their courses online, which just, you know, it's a way to deal with the pandemic, but it opens up so much for so many people. Um, they have the Peak Potential Institute, which I think is peakpotentialinstitute.com. But mm -hmm. anyone who really wants to up their game, um, as far as pediatrics, this would be the way to go. Wow. That's awesome. That is. That's some good resources for students that know they wanted to go, they want to go into pediatrics. Mm -hmm. No question. If you guys can give me about 10 seconds, there's a lawn mower outside the window and I would dearly love to close that. You okay? Of sure. course. So we're getting some good information so far. This is what, really good. What question do you think we should ask next? What's I don't know. List? I'm looking at some of our questions that we have written. And we're back. <laughs> da, 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 da. Like we hit a lot of our questions that we that we have written just in our like converse just in our conversation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm kind of you know going through them. I, I know I love that you guys are so focused on what advice can be given to students students heading into school, students graduating from school, students starting their own practices. Um, yeah. I mean, I can give some of those if you'd like. Yeah, please. That'd be um, awesome. Cultivate your mentors, find people that you resonate with and, and really just cultivate, attach yourself at the hip if possible or on the side of the head. After I graduated mm -hmm. Life West, I went to Dr. Walton's office for two or three months and just hung out, no pay, just learning everything I could. And mm -hmm. it made a world of difference in my adjusting technique, just what I was able to observe then. Um, follow your dreams. Uh, 
don't hesitate to change course if something's really not resonating for you because there, there's absolutely no sense in being miserable. Everything you learn will be tinged with that vibe. Mm -hmm. uh, How about associating? I know you, when you went on scout out of school, you did associate, but would mm -hmm. you recommend, if you do the mentoring with somebody, do you still recommend associating? Or do you feel at that point, it would behoove somebody to just go out on their own or you feel it's individual? It really, I think, my take on it is it really depends on the kind of person they are. If there's someone who always dreamed of running their own business, then take it on. But it's a lot to both learn how to run your own business and learn how to be a chiropractor in the office step for step. Um, mm. I recently had an associate who was um, lovely and she was with us for, for two years and we got her out of school. And then when she went off to start her own practice, she was she was very surprised how much work it actually is to run a practice. Holy crap, there's no question. So um, if you're ready to take both those steps and you feel you have the ability to go out and draw people in, um, mm -hmm. that's actually another thing that's in the course that I give is I love, uh, there's a whole section on ways to get your patients to refer in like-minded people um, and, that I think that was one of the best pieces of his advice that I got along the way, which was, if you have patients that you love, get their friends in because you're going to love mm -hmm. them too. Right. If you have patients that right. you really don't adore, don't make the effort as hard. <laughs> yeah. Or don't take them on as a patient. There yeah. is that too. There's that you too. Know, don't Maybe accept I them still, as a patient. I still have things to learn about that, I think. <laughs> Well, you know, it's fascinating because John and I were talking about this the other day because he and I did some videos on Friday and we were saying like, you know, medical doctors refer to each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I know for myself, I, I refer patients out like on a kind of on a regular basis because, you know, I do a certain, I, I do a chiropractic biophysics, so CBP and, and sometimes that's just not, yeah, good stuff. But sometimes it's not for everybody, or sometimes our personalities just simply don't resonate with one another. And I would rather refer them out to my great friend down the street where I know they're going to get quality chiropractic care. We know they're going to have fantastic results than every time like walking into the room with that patient feel like I'm on eggshells because I just, I know our energies are not right. congruent. Right. And you know, like we, Nicole and I discussed, chiropractic works. It's just, you know, your application of it may not resonate with that individual. So why would you take them out of the chiropractic system and say, well, I guess, it, you know, this didn't work for you or let them walk away when right. you see, you know, send them to somebody else you respect, mm -hmm. send them to a friend, a colleague, because the chiropractic will get results. It will connect them innately so they can function at a higher level. It yeah. just may not be with you. Yes. Right. I, I, I resonate with what you're saying. Go ahead. Hey, Lisa, can we go back to something you said earlier, which I think is key? Um, so we work with a lot of students and I have, I've had a lot of associates that come right out of school mm -hmm. and a lot, most of the time they come at, when they graduate, um, I'm trying to like word it properly. Most of the time when they graduate, they think they know how to be a doctor. Not yeah. like, let's let's put the entrepreneur stuff to the side. I'm not even talking about running a business. Right. I'm talking about the fact 
uh, what they learned was how to pass a board. Right, right. So can you speak to that a little bit for these students that are watching this right now? Like, like, is there a difference between what you learned in school and what really happens in practice as a doctor? And what is that difference? And how do you prepare for that a little bit? Right, because you're in clinic and you think, I deal, I deal with patients. Right. I got this, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And you do it with those coping skills in that situation with those training wheels, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, I have, I guess I should say that when I, when I practiced my first time as a doctor out of school, I was pretty much alone in the highlands of Scotland. So there was many a long distance call back to California, Dr. Walton, what do I do with that? <laughs> you know, um, and the doctor who was, who had hired me as an associate, I was a satellite clinic, so not really accessible. Um, so part of it is fumbling your way through. Um, mm -hmm. And wow, that is a really juicy question. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to come at it. Uh, Uh, I, 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 my, my brain just went blank, but maybe that's a good way to say this. Your brains are different when you're coming out of school. You're coming out of four years of fight or flight, living in the limbic system while, while trying to jumpstart the front with the Irene Gold review courses, right? That's us. And there's your poor middle brain in the middle between a rock and a hard place. And then you try to be a doctor, right? And people are coming at you with these extremely real emotions and real problems. Right. Wow. Um, so that's where having strong mentor net comes into place. Um, and maybe remembering that we imprint on the doctors that we run into earliest. Some people go to chiropractic school having never been adjusted, which blows my mind, but there it is. Mm -hmm. And some have had very profound experiences. And I think that's where the die first gets cast, right? And then everything after that is building upon the different schools and the experiences people have. And yet I see amazingly intuitive, innate chiropractors coming out of national. And I see terribly strongly medical chiropractors coming out of uh, Life East. So it's really, in the end, think about what you're putting into your career as a student, if it's congruent with what you wanna get out at the other end. People tend to get a sense, I wanna be one of those million dollar doctors who is the chiropractor for the Patriots and they know how to seek out those resources. Um, and lucky now, in the last 25 years, I've seen pediatric chiropractic really grow and become robust. Yeah. You can associate with those kind of patients, uh, with those kind of doctors or near them, or I don't know if I've answered your question. I don't think I've nailed it yet, but it's close. Yeah, I think that was no. a good shot. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, I feel like you, you've, um, I think, I think you definitely did nail it. And I think you were actually even getting, you know, opening up with the question, you know, because it goes back to not only associates, but one of the things that I love that you said is that you had spent time in a chiropractic office um, for a few months, just learning. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important because there's something to be said, there's something to be said for that. You know, I just, I'm having this like a little bit of, um, frustration in my heart. I don't know if frustration is the right word, but I hear a lot of people um, saying things like, things like our, our students are being taken advantage of in these associate positions. And um, I hear people say we eat our young and things like that. 
And what's the fine line, Lisa, between, you know, them still learning and then, and then the opposite end of the spectrum where some kids are coming out of school and they're like, they want over, they want to make a hundred thousand dollars, like off the bat, just to show right. up and adjust. Right. So what's the fine line in getting these kids or getting these people the experience that they need to have to get them to where they want to be, but right. also not quote unquote from other doctors out there. I don't say this. I hate this term eating our young. I just, uh, but I've seen I hate it. when people say that. Yeah, I've definitely seen it in action. And maybe we have to draw the camera back to 30,000 feet for a minute and say, as a profession, we tend to circle the wagons and shoot inward, right? Mm -hmm. We are not, you know, kill us, um, we are not a homogenous profession when it comes to respect for ourselves, respect for each other, right. what our take is on innate intelligence, whether we are, um, even the names are quite snotty. I am a disciplined chiropractor. Well, okay. What is your relationship with chiropractic's history? Whatever you're going to be, be it authentically. Let's just stop shooting all over each other. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, and that I think on a smaller 5,000 foot level is is the microcosm of what we do with our associates, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I was an associate in Sweden, I was an associate in Scotland, and I've had associates in the US, and I tried very hard to give my associate a lot of the things that I thought would be um, helpful, I had hoped that she would purchase uh, my clinic when she was done, but we went in different directions instead, and so um, I took her to every course possible. And even though she didn't stay in my clinic, I know that I changed the trajectory and the depth of her knowledge. And so I can make my peace with that because she's going to do good things for many, many decades. Right. Um, however, that's my recently developed ability to take the long view. In, in, in the short view, it would be easy to be a grumpy person in any one of the associates I spoke of there, either as a participant, as an associate or someone who had an associate. Um, maybe it comes back to being very clear out of what you want. Do you want an associate position that's going to pay you really well, but maybe doesn't teach you the finer points of this or that? Or do you want to learn like a mad dog? Um, what's your priorities? That's the place to start. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And but you, how many of us know that end game when we graduate, huh? Not many at all. Yeah. I wish no, I had I an answer. I remember my head just like spinning by the time I got to graduation, right? Like, right? <laughs> like what do I do? Where do exactly. I go? You couldn't wait to get out, but you didn't know what to do when you did get out. Exactly. Where Where did you go to school, Nicole? I went to Parker. Okay. And you, John? I went to Life Marietta, but I, back in the early 90s. I graduated in 93. Oh, I graduated in 97. Must have just okay. spilled your dust as I came on campus. Yes. Um. So... I don't remember why I asked. Oh, I know. Uh, Sherman has an extern program now, right? Where you go and you put some time in at a real office. Oh, I would have killed for that. I created yeah. that. I would have killed to have had it be part of. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And with yeah, all maybe, of this. No, go ahead. I was going to say maybe something that should, and maybe it already is, but each school is so different in its priorities. Mm -hmm. And teasing that out as we're courting students to each school would be helpful. Absolutely. For them at least.
So we touched on the, the clinical dealing with patients aspect when you get out of school, but yeah. there is the whole other aspect of running a business, being an entrepreneur, which you're not being taught in school. Where did you learn that? Because you could say, well, I want to go out and practice and I'm going to hire a front desk person, or I'm going to hire an, a, an insurance biller, but you have to train those people. And if you don't have those skills to train them, then right. you're kind of lost. Where did you learn those skills to be able to then train your staff? Well, I don't, I can't speak to anybody but me, but I imprinted on people and tried to recreate that. And boy, was that a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, in Scotland, everything was provided. It was a step in, adjust, and go. Wave at the ghost as you leave. Um, <laughs> in Sweden, I started out as an associate because that's what I needed to do for my Swedish licensure. Um, but then when I went and made my own office, I never hired a front desk person, but I had to learn... I not only had to learn to understand insurance, I had to learn to explain it in Swedish, which, you know, was <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when I came back here, this is where it more fell into place. I ran my own office. I had an empty room in the back where my son would play while I, while I saw patients. And then as the clinic evolved, then bit by bit, I was adding stuff and it was terribly hodgepodge. I think one of the good things that came out of this weird pandemic pause is the chance to backstep reorganize my stuff and step forward with a better structure than I think I've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, not to say I'm nailing it, but I'm, I'm screwing it up less. There you go. Yeah. On the other hand, my dad was a salesperson. And while I never understood how much of that was rubbing off on me, holy crap, it was rubbing off on me. And <laughs> it wasn't until I went to Everest or closed for Cairo mm -hmm. and learned that sales wasn't a dirty word that some of that stuff really, really, really started to come out. And um, now it's just interwoven. So I, I never advertise. We don't have an advertising budget. If I take any money, I'll put it into something like a kid's community concert once a week during the summer, something like that. So we're a neighborhood name, but I never need to advertise, which is kind of stunning in hindsight. That's yeah, awesome. That you is. Know, I'm just That's talking. awesome. Yeah. You're not lucky. You've created a really strong practice. And you've worked hard doing it. Oh, no question. I have no doubt that I've earned this. I didn't just stumble into it, but I'm lucky that I was born with a constellation of weird skills that I ended up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe every challenge that comes into your life, if you can see it for what it's bringing to you, like my son and everything we had to learn with him has given me the ability to communicate deeper and f more fully to people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a, a horrendous birth ending in an emergency C-section helps me communicate to parents what we are working to create and what we are working to avoid, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so on. You know, it's just a neat constellation of attributes. That's what I was looking for before. That's led me in this direction and I really enjoy it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Nicole? Should we get that favorite last question out? Ooh, what's the favorite last question? <laughs> <laughs> Nicole always asks it so well. All right, Lisa, are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you, if we, ugh. see, I'm stumbling already. <laughs> exactly. If you had to give just one piece of advice to a chiropractic student right now, just one, what would be your one piece if you only could give one? Not one, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, just one. Because everybody does that, one. Trust, trust yourself. Ah, oh, love trust it. Trust your intuitions, trust yourself more. I love it. 
Um, also, it will get easier. Haha. -ha. It will. <laughs> it really will. Sorry to sneak in a bee there, but it will get easier. It, it, he snuck it, it in and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> it's easier because we get more proficient and then things that would have destroyed us before now are challenges. And then we overcome those and things right. that would have, we couldn't even imagine as difficult as they would be come and they're right. just a challenge. So we're just constantly growing, getting stronger. So I think it's, I think it just kind of rolls that way. Yeah. If we're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the more, the more we mature, the more we trust in ourselves. Like the more right. you trust your instinct, the more you trust your intuition. Right. Yeah. And the more you're adjusted, the less you're prone to just go into that fight or flight, pure panic. You're kind of connected and you could process and do things right. in the right time in the right place. You guys nailed it beautifully. Uh, and I, and at the same time, I think there's a lot of people struggling, whether they've been students during the pandemic, whether they have their own inner turmoils, and mm -hmm. that which feels so natural and easy to us can baffle the hell out of them. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I want to leave them with hope, too. That mm -hmm. you, Okay, when, when people are soothing a baby, and they're going, it's okay, it's okay. And the baby's going, wow, it's not okay. <laughs> that incongruity has always driven me a little crazy. And, and what we say in our office is, if it's not okay now, it will be soon, okay? It's gonna be okay soon if it's not okay now. Okay. I'll say that to the, to the students too. If it's not okay now, it will be soon. You've chosen wisely. You're in good company. You really are. And you're in a great profession. I love this profession. I think I we all do. And that's, that's why we're here today doing this, because we all love the profession and we just want to give back because we want to see our students succeed. They're so, in the uterus of schools. And when they're birthed out, <laughs> we want to be there and say it's okay and kind of help okay. them take their first steps. Oh, what a gorgeous, gorgeous way of putting it. That's neat. So now I want to reflect back a question at you guys. What brought you to birth this podcast? Well, it was kind of we Nicole and I just kind of we talk a lot and we mull over a lot of philosophical things and one day Nicole just gave me a call and, or a text and said you know how about we do a podcast with the things we discuss and really just bring value to the students are you on board oh, and I said absolutely so she's the mom in this nicely done thanks that is, that is phenomenal congratulations on your bouncing baby podcast <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of it. This was amazing. This is a great interview. Definitely. Oh, oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope we talk again. Absolutely. And we're going to get your information. It would be okay if we put it at the end of the podcast for students and docs to be able to reach out to you to find out about your course, if they have any questions for you, anything like that? Absolutely. All right, great. So we'll make sure we get that for from you. I appreciate that. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Lisa. Mwah. Mwah.